Welcome to the Sprint to Profit podcast with Kirsty and Isaac. If you are an Amazon seller looking to grow your business with some of the latest tactics and strategies, along with some great guidance for your overall business, then you are in the right place. So pay attention and if needed, take notes. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Sprint to Profit podcast. It's Kirsty and Isaac from Real Coaching here again. In this episode, we're going to be speaking with an old friend of ours, Ezra Firestone, about his unique take on marketing online, basically what, is it, what his take is, and how to build and scale an online business strategically. That's a tongue twister. Ezra is the CEO of a few different businesses from online brands to training programs and even software services. He's been an industry leader in not only finding the right strategy to grow businesses online, but he's also been an industry leader in helping others follow the same path through teaching, being an energetic speaker at conferences, and putting in positive energy through everything he does. He now has a great work-life balance, has a great team, happy marriage, and lives the freedom that all entrepreneurs aspire to achieve. Oh, and by the way, he has multiple businesses that generate over $20 million in sales. Not too shabby. That's right. Actually, I'll do $55 million this year. Damn, nice. I mean, I'm not trying to <laughs> brag or anything, but I'm just correcting the, you know, yep, yep. correcting <laughs> the data point there. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. As of September 22nd, 2021. <laughs> yeah. So that's right. He is a man of many talents. So welcome, Ezra. Thank you for coming on the show today. We really appreciate your time. And before we're going to, you know, jump into all the juicy stuff that our listeners need to know about being a smart marketer and, you know, creating scalable businesses, we'd love for you to share a little bit of your backstory. I know maybe a lot of people that are listening today, maybe have seen you on stage and, and kind of heard a little bit about it. But that's one thing that we really like to understand is how did you even get into this e-commerce world and get to where you are today? Well, I started, you know, I always had a hustle. I was always trying to make money. I didn't grow up with money. You know, we didn't have a lot of means uh, when I was growing up. And so I was always looking for ways to make money. I was selling jelly beans. I was selling other nefarious goods, if you know what I'm saying. I was I was just doing whatever I had. I had a car washing business. And uh, when I was uh, 18, I moved to New York City to play poker for a living on the, on the New York City underground. And that's a whole story. And that was a lot of fun. I did pretty well with that. Uh, but I came across a guy who was... Um, he was, this was 2004, five era. And what he was doing was uh, using search engine optimization, which was sort of the visibility source of that time to, um, to sort of rank on Google. And he was using Google AdWords to buy, buy leads for his business, which sold eBooks, uh, re real books, DVDs, online DVDs, but like actually shipped DVDs too on how to start and become a life coach, start a life coaching business and become a life coach. And he was like the biggest guy around doing that. He had like a couple hundred thousand people on his email list and he's making a couple hundred grand a year doing that. And I was like, damn, dude, I'm staying up all night with a bunch of degenerates <laughs> trading my time for money, you know, with Vinny to limo and Joey two-tone and Johnny cupcake. And you're out here making money from your laptop. Like you got to teach me this shit. So uh, I traded in poker lessons for SEO lessons. And that's kind of how I got my start. Found my way into e-commerce uh, after doing a bunch of different business models in, in 06 um, and uh, started my first e-commerce store in 07. And I've been doing it ever since. Brilliant. So now you, pay, you play poker with e-commerce brands and, and products online. <laughs> well, I gave up poker, you know, um, because it, it's fun, but it is time for money and it is, you know, not the best crowd. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it is like, um, you know, ultimately... It's only as scalable as this. It's it's good to, you know, it's good for a party with some friends here and there, but it's not really a good money-making hustle. And most people who gamble, even though poker isn't gambling, most people who gamble for a living end up going broke one way or another. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. 
Yeah. So one of my favorite things about your story and, and your kind of rise is, is you kind of actually changed the model for a lot of people in coaching and teaching the industry. And I think the one, one of the most impressive things I've always enjoyed about your messaging is you don't shy away from making money, but money is the motivating, isn't, is not the motivating factor for what you do necessarily, because your mantra is serve the world unselfishly and profit. So sure, help people make money and, and then you can make money as well. Right. And I don't think I've ever heard that concept. So uh, said so succinctly before, but can you, can you, can you kind of explain what it means or you know, for someone who I don't think it's, before? it's, it's not really a, um, I don't look at it as a uh, mandate or um, direction, I, you know, or like a thing that I'm a statement that I'm telling people, I think it's a description of how, how it goes in life. I think when you are in a role of service, you profit from that. And whether that be monetarily or otherwise, that is how you profit in life is, is by being of service. And so I think that's a description of how it goes. Um, and that's what I aim to do in my businesses. And, you know, what I'm doing in life is not being an entrepreneur. What I'm doing in life is having the world's greatest love affair, the world's best romance, the world's greatest relationship. And part of that is being a successful producer and making money that helps me give my lady the things that she wants. And so, you know, all my businesses are in service of a bigger hustle, which is my relationship. And, you know, I think the juice of life comes from connection and intimacy with others, social life experiences, family, friends, partnership. Um, and so that's what I'm actually doing. And, you know, I've structured my businesses from the very beginning uh, in a way that allows me to show up to the rest of my life full and whole instead of fucking burnt out and overwhelmed and stressed and my body's a mess and like, you know, all the shit that's sort of classic entrepreneur burnout symptom. Yeah. I'm, I'm not interested in that uh, game. And I don't, I don't, uh, uh, my identity is not based on how I'm doing in business. My identity, the, the way I perceive and see myself as a person doesn't have anything to do with how much money I make or how much money's in the bank. The, all these businesses could melt down overnight. You know, it happens to people. It's not, uh, and I, yeah, obviously I don't want that to happen and I'm working to have that not be the case, but, but I'm not, um, I think I have more freedom in this because I'm not attached to it in the same way that a lot of people are. I'm attached to other things in life that I sort of, you know, assess how I'm doing in my world based on how those cycles are going, um, yeah. and how I'm showing up to those, uh, yeah. versus and I think, uh, I, I'm pretty sure you probably have heard of Tony Shea, the, the, the co-founder of Zappos. Um, yeah, didn't he like away. fucking, you know, get locked in a basement or something yeah he died in a house fire it was pretty crazy he died from smoke inhalation like a week later but he, and that's heavy duty crazy um really but he sad. actually had the, the the idea of of essentially don't chase the money chase the vision the money will end up following it's just kind of very similar and i think you know when you don't come from money you don't really think about like hey how much money do i have to make to quote unquote be successful you think how much money do i have to make to essentially just live for now and then everything else after that is just probably pretty gravy. I mean, that's how I felt growing up. It's like, how do I just get to enough money to not have to worry about like starving or like paying bills? And then everything after that, like, sure, if it, if it comes, it comes. But really what I'm focused on is growing what I'm, what I'm focused on, helping people and then and making sure that they're, they're good with what I'm helping them with. And everything else kind of comes from that. Is that kind of how you see it is like the, the, the money isn't the, isn't the thing that you're chasing? I mean, definitely chasing the money too, you know, uh, obviously there's a level in business at which if you're not making money, you can't keep doing it. You need to go get a job. So, (laughs) so I think that, I think the game is have fun, which means 
show up to your cycles with presence and intention and take care of yourself, sleep well, eat well, move your body, um, you know, do what it takes so that you can show up with enthusiasm and bring the party and, and make it fun. It doesn't mean you don't work hard. It doesn't mean you don't grind. It doesn't mean, you know, shit isn't hard, but it means you are showing up whole and ready to do the damn thing. And you're, you've taken, you filled your cup so you can pour from it. You've cleaned your fucking fingernails before you give a massage, like have fun. <laughs> Yeah. Number two, uh, make good stuff, you know, that serves the world and serves your community. Continue to make your products better, make a good thing. And then three, be profitable. And if you're doing that at any level, you're better off. You've won the game. That's the game that we're playing. And Hey, you know, if you can make enough money to pay your rent and take care of your family, then great. If you can make enough money to do all that and support your family and your community, great. If you can make enough money to do all that, you know, take care of yourself and your family and your community and put money and resource towards other causes in the world that you find noble fucking a man. Now you're doing a whole bunch of shit, you know? Yep. Uh, but I think that, I think the baseline is, can you have a good time, make good things and cover your own family's living expenses? If the answer is yes, well, Hey, that's, that's the game. That's what we're doing here. Yep. You know, you don't want a job because you don't want to be doing shit that you don't want to be doing for someone else and making them rich for the most part. Right. On the other hand, being an entrepreneur is insane. So you have to be a crazy person to want to do this. And what I mean by that is like you have to be up for a kind of intensity that most people are not up for. You're the end of the line for everything. All the pressure is on you. A hundred percent at the at the end of the day, if shit goes wrong, you go bankrupt. Like, you know, you've got to pay people salaries. You you you're on the line for any insurance or anything that might bad that might happen. You know, all the pressure is on you. And that is an intense spot. And it's not a spot that, and, oh, and by the way, shit is definitely going to go wrong all the yeah. time. And, you know, the, whether or not you succeed is going to depend on how you ride that wave of intensity. And a lot of people would much prefer the stability of, Hey, I show up, I clock in at nine. I do whatever the fuck I got to do. I clock out at five. I get my paycheck and I'm cool. I don't got to worry about shit after that. There's no pressure. There's no intensity. I can set that down and move on. That is a better energetic pattern for some people. And there's not, there's no value judgment here. It's not that one way is right. And one way is wrong. It just is the way it is. And so I don't think everyone should be an entrepreneur, but I think me for the, for my goals and my temperament, I thrive in the chaos. I like that shit. I'm ready for the intensity. Yeah. I had one, yeah. one lady come to me one time, uh, it was about three weeks, three months ago. And she was like, I'm, I, I want to live a stress-free life. I've never really dealt with stress. I've never worked a job. I want to start my own business. And I said, I don't think you do. <laughs> you definitely don't do you definitely don't because it's going to be stressful yeah yeah no totally and i think uh, i love what you said there about freedom it's almost like inner freedom right not getting attached to the result although you want the result but i think unless you know until you've kind of been through this game a, a while um certainly for me anyway i i felt like if i wasn't doing great in my business all the time it was like a personal reflection on me and i'm actually going through that kind of transition at the moment is kind of how do i separate my inner freedom, if you like, from my outer freedom, i.e. get to do what I want when I want. And so I think the more you can start out that way and think that way, then the better it's going to be for, for you as you move forward in business, because, you know, you're not going to get so attached to everything and therefore you can pick yourself up. You know, you get knocked down, you get up again and, um, and keep moving forward. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah. You've got, you've got to look at it like, who am I without this thing? Am I happy with who I am and how I be and how I show up in the world if my business goes away? Is this such a part of my identity that I can't live without it? And if the answer is yes, you got yourself a problem there. 
person. It's like, you can't be that (laughs) attached to it, you know? And they did this study at one point where they had like mothers look at their children and uh, business owners look at the logo for their business and the brain lights up in the same area. So you do get emotionally attached, emotionally attached to these things. And the game is to recognize that and sort of set that aside and say, okay, this is a production cycle that I am participating in to achieve my financial goals and to, uh, you know, make an impact and contribute to the world in this way. And it's going to go how it's going to go. And I am separate from this. This is not me. This is a fucking thing I am doing. And who are you outside of that? You know? Um, and if you have never looked at that, maybe it's time. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that lesson. So in terms of business then, and we were chatting a little bit about this before we started, obviously you're an e-commerce expert. You've been building big brands. You've been doing this for quite a number of years now. Uh, You sell physical products from your own e-commerce platform. You help other people do the same thing as well. Now, our main listeners are really, they start their business on amazon.com. And then what they try and do is kind of get off amazon.com, but it's really Amazon is their kind of main platform where they start a lower cost platform, platform where they can leverage the customer so a lot of people always say to us when is the best time to start going off amazon when you've actually you know just started say with one product on amazon and what do you actually need in place to be able to do that so i know you necessarily didn't start there but one thing that i think people would love to know is what do they what do you think they need in that arsenal if you like to be able to uh, confidently go okay now is the time for me to take what I've learned on Amazon and start my own e-commerce platform. And generally how, you know, how long is it going to take for them to do that? Because to me, it feels like two kind of separate business models that kind of come together to build the brand. So I'd love your thoughts on that. I think if you can double your Amazon business by doing more of what you've done, don't do anything else. Like, you know, starve your ponies and feed your stallions. It's a terrible analogy, but... (laughs) but Everyone's like, I need to expand. I need to get off Amazon. It's like, well, well, do you? Because you know how to do Amazon. Amazon seems to be working for you. You have no idea how to do Shopify. So the energy and time and effort you're going to spend trying to do Shopify, if you could put that same energy, time and effort into Amazon and grow there, do that. And then if that's not, or if you have surplus time and energy, you got a team, you, you know, you're making at least 10 grand a month on Amazon. Okay, great. You know, but but the question that it's an opportunity cost thing. It's like, what are you, what is the goal? Is the goal because you feel like you need diversity and you're afraid of Amazon's volatility? Well, shit, you, you're in the wrong business model. Amazon's volatile. So if you're afraid of the volatility, you know, that's what you signed up for when you built an Amazon business. Um, and, and you should go all in and try to grow that Amazon business and do everything you can, launch more products, do more ads, do whatever you got to do to your listing. You know, I'm not the Amazon expert. I don't know what kind of shit you do over there. When I was in the Amazon game, we were giving away free products for reviews. That was like 2013 and shit. So I don't know what it it. is. (laughs) So that was what I did. Um, But, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think if you're ever going to sell your brand, then you want to have an established uh, Shopify infrastructure with five to 10% of your sales on Shopify to show the potential buyer that there's to show the buyer that there's potential of growing there to, to dangle that carrot. It increases the value of the overall overall brand. Um, so I think I think the year before you sell it, go build that infrastructure out. Or if you have surplus time and energy, go build that infrastructure out. But otherwise, you know, don't. Yeah, I love that. That's music to our ears. That's literally what we say to everybody, especially even if they haven't got to a, a million bucks yet on Amazon, because we know 
if you pick, you know, if you kind of work backwards from the financials, it's pretty easy to kind of build out a forecast of how many products you actually need to be able to get either the, you know, the revenue goal, the profit goal, and the income goal. So that's awesome to hear it from the e-commerce expert, because many people, they start with, like you say, on Amazon, get kind of scared off, don't really make any progress, and then think that they have to diversify across social media, across Facebook ads, across Google ads, Shopify, and they try and do all those kind of things all at once, um, which are many you know, different aspects and different models in, in kind of one, if you like. So that's awesome to hear. So you talked about e-commerce um, and the realities of e-commerce. What, what do, what would you like to see when you're kind of setting up a new brand and say you were, say Amazon's out of the picture and you were going to start a new brand um, specifically with your own e-commerce store. How would you recommend that people kind of go about that? I know that's probably a really big question, um, but where's a really good place to start? Um, well, I think the margin profile is the first place to start because on Amazon, it's a race to the bottom and, um, you know, it's basically, you can be <laughs> successful with less profitable mar margin structure on products than you can off of Amazon because Amazon has all the buyers there and the average conversion rate on a listing is like 10 plus percent, sometimes 30%, uh, you know you can rank organically. It's just a lot easier to sell product on Amazon because it's both your shopping cart and your traffic source. On Shopify, you have to build the technology infrastructure of your platform, which is Facebook ads, Google Analytics, Shopify, and upload your products and landing page builders and upsells and all kinds of shit. Then you gotta um, you know, do your emails, get your email marketing, your abandoned cart, your post-purchase, your pre-purchase, all that shit. And then you gotta drive visibility to it. So you have to both, you have to get all the technology together and get it talking to each other, build that out, the cart that's going to collect the sale and then you got to drive the visitors. So it, it's, it's converts less well, but has a bunch of upsides though. You keep the customer data. Um, you know, you can be much more profitable. Amazon's not taking percentages. Uh, you can charge for shipping, all kinds of stuff. Um, so the margin profile is very important because if your margin structure is off, you will never make money because it's going to cost you between 25 and a hundred dollars to go out and buy a customer off of Facebook. Mm -hmm. or even, you know, 15, 15 to a hundred, let's say, depending on your market. And so if you are buying a product for 10 bucks and you're selling it for 15, like on Amazon or selling it for 20 on Amazon, it's not going to work on Shopify. You need to, at a minimum, buy for one and sell for five. So if you buy for 10, you want to sell for 40 to 50, the, the higher the price of the product, the more you can adjust that. If you buy for 15, okay, you sell for 45 because there's a $30 Delta there, you know? Uh, yeah. But but I try to buy for one and sell for five um, in general. Uh, like my main product, I buy for six and sell for 28. So it's like a 5.7 or something. Um, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I was going to say, yeah, I'm, I know a lot of, uh, you know, dig, uh, digital internet marketers out there that'll tell people if you're on Amazon, you need to do Facebook ads to your Amazon listing. I'm like, if you have a profit margin of like 30 bucks, then yes. If not, you probably don't want to do that because you'll blow just all your profit on the customer acquisition cost, but people don't actually build that into their margins and don't think about that. So is that something that you've seen for a lot of Amazon sellers out there when you've worked and talked to them about it? So, say that one more time. So they'll, they'll do like Facebook ads and it might cost them 30, 40 bucks in customer acquisition costs just to get the actual products to be sold on Amazon from a Facebook ad. But they don't think about that. They're thinking, oh, I'm just doing $20, for, you know, $30, $40 a day. And then they look at how much it's actually costing to get a sale. And it's much higher than they expect when their profit margin is only like eight or 10 bucks. They've 
quadrupled, you know, their, their, you know, their debt of that product. I think with Amazon, it makes sense though, because, um, if you drive outside traffic, you can get organic rankings. Like there's benefits. It's not just you sell a product and you have to deal with, with your profit and loss on that product. You, you know, if you're driving velocity and visitors to your listing, yeah. from what I understand, it helps ranking, obviously, so you get free traffic. So Amazon, like spending extra money to get people over there and not having it break even is, is fine at some level. Yeah. Um, obviously, that's not going to work for you on, on Shopify. Yeah. Cool. So I, I was talking with you before we uh, we started the show. And uh, I remember back in 2013, first saw you talking about Shopify. And it was a pretty cool concept when I was just starting out on, on Amazon. And I went to an actual Shopify workshop that you did in Austin in 2015. And I didn't stick with that strategy very long. I do still have a Shopify store. It doesn't really do much. It's kind of just open and gets a few sales here and there. But the thing that I was most impressed about was your ability to process everything out for the workshop, which then got me thinking like, hey, you should process everything out in your business, which I know you do as well. And you'd call them standard operating procedures, which I'd heard before, but didn't really you know, conceptualize for an Amazon business. But I actually ended up doing this and went from working 60 hours a week thinking I had to do everything in the business to working six hours a week and only responding to questions that others in the business you know, I had working on the team couldn't figure out. So can you just talk about how important it is for you to create a process like that to run your business and how others should probably think to do the same as soon as they possibly can? I mean, I think it's a, it's a model of business ownership if you're the CEO or founder that um, is is what leads to scale. So, mm-hmm. so a lot of CEOs and founders want to do everything that themselves and micromanage everybody and be all involved in shit. I never wanted to drive. I only drove because I had to. And as soon as I could navigate and get somebody else in the driver's seat, I would, because my goal again, is not to be working all the time is to be hanging out with my wife and enjoying my life. And yes, making sure the businesses are doing well, but with a reasonable amount of work hours, because business will work, will fill the time that you give it. So if you don't set boundaries around it, it's going to be pervasive and, and you know, invade your entire life. And so uh, I've always been very clear that delegation systems, infrastructure, processes, scale was my goal. And so I've been pra- it's, a, it's a skill just like any other that you can practice. And, you know, standard operating procedures help because it's like, OK, here's a here's a deck, a book. This is what you do. Go do it. At, let me know if you have any questions. Let me see your work when you're done. So uh, by creating SOPs for every action in every role, um, you are much, it's much easier to scale and it's much easier to sell the company because the company has documentation on what it actually does. Uh, And I think it's a mature way of operating and it's hard at first. You got to figure it out. You got to make them yourselves. You got to get software sometimes or we use Google Drive initially. But yeah, it's 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 the recipe for scale is repetitive processes. And it's like some roles don't have it. You know, my my, um, you know, my, my, my creative director, we don't have SOPs for that role, but 90% of roles, 90% of the roles, we have SOPs for everything they do or yeah. 95% of what they do. So if somebody gets sick or somebody goes on maternity leave or somebody quits, slide someone else in. Yeah. Um, I think it's just good business practice, you know? Yeah. yeah, that's a great point. And I think, you know, obviously there's the SOPs that are really there about making sure that you've got the right processes. But another key thing that you're really big on and you talk a lot about is building the right team and leadership to really leverage that growth in the business. And what what are some of the key lessons that you've learned when scaling and hiring the right people and your philosophy on leadership? Because I think this is an area where, you know, we kind of start off as solopreneurs. And if you haven't really had that background, um, it's, it's kind of a difficult one for people to get, I think, in terms of how do you actually lead a team to the vision that you want to 
that you actually want to, you know, create and live as well. I teach a whole course on this, so I'm probably not going to be able to give you a succinct answer because it's a very yeah. big question. How do you lead a team? Uh, how do you be a good leader? Um, but it starts with how you show up. They copy your behavior. They copy your speech patterns. They copy how you react to stress or wins. And I think you you lead from the middle and you lead from the back. You you get in there and you get your hands dirty as well. You Whenever anything goes wrong, you take responsibility for it. It's nobody else's fault. It is never anybody's fault but your own. Total responsibility for what happened. Something went wrong. Let's say, let's say for example, like on, on something happened with us recently where our privy account wasn't connected to Clavio. So people were opting in, but they weren't actually getting into our email CRM. This was going on for a month and a half. So we lost a lot of email addresses. Mm -hmm. My social media director is the person who's responsible for privy. Uh, but I didn't have it on her list to go in and check and make sure privy and Clavio were talking to each other every week. Something for her to look at. Are the people from privy actually getting into Clavio? Ultimately, that's, that's anything that happens bad in my organization is my fault. I am responsible for it and I need to do something to fix it. And it's not, let me reprimand her or give her a hard time. It's no, it's like, Hey, okay, cool. Good that we caught this. Here's what, here's what we'll do to fix it. And if anything ever goes right, you praise the people publicly. It's, yeah. it's the team's win when it goes right. And it's your bad when it goes wrong. That is how you lead. You take fucking responsibility for what happened. You guarantee the action a hundred percent. And if you do that, you'll find people are committed and they're loyal and they feel good. And they're, they're not worried about, you know, there's no fear culture. The other thing that you do is you treat people well. You're, you're, you're nice. You communicate nicely. You don't fucking work them to the bone. You don't, you don't micromanage them. You give them autonomy and freedom. You make sure they have a comfortable work environment. You compensate them fairly. Again, I have a whole course on this, but how you be in business is how your team will be. And how you be in anywhere, it's people like to separate. I'm this way at home and I'm this way at business. No, you're not. You're the same fucking person wherever you go. Yeah. And how you show up is how you show up. And if you show up to your business with a positive attitude, with a loving attitude, with generosity of spirit and the intention to do well, you, you'll do well. And, you know, yeah, you got to hold people accountable and you got to have the tough conversations and you got to have a clear vision and you got to repeat that vision to people. Um, but ultimately, it's about how you be, how it feels to be around you and work with you and how you communicate is how your team will. And the way the energy that you put in is the energy your team will put in. So basically it's like this um, fractal effect of your energetic input is what ultimately ends up being your team's energetic input. So if you want a happy winning team that works hard, be a happy winning leader that works hard. Yeah, no, I love that. Yeah. I love that because I mean, as well, if you just think about the way that you can, re you respond to somebody, right? If someone's beating you down the whole time and then um, not actually giving you any direction, then you're not going to respond well to that. And you kind of want to like, you know, leave and find another job. Right. So I, I totally hear you when you say about the extreme ownership part as well, because sometimes, you know, you get frustrated. Right. And so you want to, you feel like you would need to take it out on someone else. But at the end of the day, this, we always used to say, you know, what's your 50% in it or what's your hundred percent in it from what that's from what you're basically saying. Right. It's like, how can I make this better for them as opposed to, what did they do wrong? Which I think is is a really good way to think about hiring anybody in your business, right from a VA through to a CEO later down the track. Yeah. Yeah, so, I think one thing that um, a lot of people don't want to do is take responsibility for when things go wrong. I mean, this goes not just business, but politics and pretty much anything, right? So it is one of those things that as soon as you get into a business for yourself, you know that this is yours. If something goes wrong, you're the only reason. And 
if Amazon shuts you down, it's probably something you did. They probably aren't just picking on you out of the blue, right? So these are the things that people always think in their head. Oh, somebody's, somebody's out to get me or something's happening, but we all control our own world. I mean, that's just how it is. So I think the more that people start to understand that, and, and to your point, Ezra, the more that you start to take responsibility for everything that goes wrong in your business and just fix the things instead of dwelling on the negative and taking it out on people, you're going to find that you get more successful faster and you, and, and, and you do it without having to put so much stress on you and your team. For sure. hundred percent. Yeah. Now talking about mistakes, the best, that's the best way we learn, right? Is actually just blowing shit up basically. Right. And the quicker you can do it, the quicker you're actually going to learn. So what, what would you think, or what have you seen that are the top mistakes that you see people making time and time again? And if they didn't do them, could actually help them leapfrog their business, either in marketing or scaling or business in general? I mean, I think you said it earlier, which is people expect results too fast. If you haven't given it three years of consistent effort, I don't want to hear that it's not going well. <laughs> like you have to give it time and you have to keep at it and you have to uh, you know, be humble enough to ask for help and understand that you have blind spots and know what you're good at and know what you're not good at and get people to help you with the parts that you're not good at and fucking keep at it. You are watering a garden. You ever seen a garden produce good food in less than a year, two years, second year is when the garden produces the best food. You got to water that thing every day. And that means, you know, op spending money on ads, optimizing, launching new products. You got to keep at it and um, you're going to have problems and struggle and hardship and you're going to come up against resistance and you got to keep moving forward. And I think people quit too early. I think they don't give it enough effort. I think people expect it to be too easy. I think we live, I think, it, I think life is too soft for most people. Mm. I'm not, I'm not trying to diminish people's hardships. I know a lot of, I know there's, there are folks with a lot of hardship in a lot of different ways. And I also think particularly uh, some of the younger, more affluent generation who also tend to be a good percentage of uh, folks who are starting these kinds of businesses um, expect it to come too easy is one of the mm -hmm. things that I see. Now that's not the only thing, but that is one thing that for sure is you gotta, you gotta keep, you gotta really give it your all. And um, I, I see a lot of people not doing that. And that obviously is a simple one. But then the other thing is like, there's three things you gotta do well, product support and marketing product is pretty simple. You just keep trying to make it better. You read reviews, you listen to feedback, you make, make your componentry better, you make your formulations better, you make your technology better, you make your packaging better. You just keep making it better. Support is like, you fucking give people their money back when they want it back. Now, Amazon, they'll just take it from you so you don't have an option. But uh, you know, you're available by phone, you're available by email. You're Again, this doesn't really you know, work for Amazon, but Basically, you, you provide world-class support, and that means world-class product education as well, FAQs, all that kind of stuff. And then you, you continually market. You make creative. You make visuals. You make videos. You uh, write good copy. You, you, you just keep working on making a good promise and following up on that promise with a good product experience. Um, and those are the three things that you got to do well in order to be successful in e-commerce. Nice. Awesome. Love it. Cool. So we're going to add some links to you know some of the programs and stuff that you run and uh, you know, if there's anything that people have questions, where, where would they go to contact you or, or your company about kind of learning more about your, your guys' stuff? Uh, you can check us out at smartmarketer.com. And you yep. can find me on Instagram at Ezra Firestone. Nice. Cool. Well, Ezra, we want to thank you. Uh, it's been great having you on. Uh, you know, the, the honest approach that you take is, is one of the more refreshing things in the business. 
and, you know, just getting your marketing philosophy and also the processes and the strategies around scaling, uh, obviously a business to great heights. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show. So thanks for, thanks for joining us today. Yeah. Thanks. Let me know when it comes out. I'll share it on social media. Appreciate y'all having me on. Will do. Perfect. And guys, if you liked what you heard today, please be sure to hit the subscribe button and share our podcast with your friends who might get value out of it as well. Also, to get some free training on what it takes to have a successful business to fuel your lifestyle, head to goteamreal.com to download our free training today. And we'll see you next week for the next Sprint to Profit episode. And as always, we wish you the best for you and your business. Bye for now. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you would like to get more information about selling on Amazon, head to goteamreal.com for some absolutely free training.